This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9. Welcome to the Rainbow Report. News, opinion, current affairs for the Rainbow community from Joy 94.9. Australia's only full-time gay and lesbian radio station. Gay and lesbian radio station. And now, your host, Doug Pollard. Doug Pollard. Well, good evening and welcome to the show. Thanks to Tim for the news there and also to Chris and Cam for the Drive Factory. Good evening. Welcome to the Rainbow Report. After a long time and much hammering on many doors, a couple of dams broke for the GLBTI community this week. The first was the announcement of the state government finally fulfilling its election promise to set up a GLBTI Ministry Advisory Committee on Health. The previous government had one of these, in fact two, because there was one for justice as well, but there's not much chance of that with uh, Attorney General Robert Spina Bifida Clark in charge. Health Minister David Davis announced that the Health Committee would have its first meeting April 5th with himself and Mental Health Minister Mary Wooldridge. Minister Davis is waiting on the line for us now. This is a big committee, 22 members in all, so we only have room for two of them in the studio tonight, and one of them's me. The uh, other drat dam which broke was in federal parliament. In here, the news is somewhat mixed. On the one hand, the government will push through a sex discrimination bill, which will for the first time extend protections to our community. On the other hand, the broad consolidation of all anti-discrimination law has been put on the back burner and, unfortunately, all the religious exemptions will stay in place. Unlike the media bills, the human rights and anti-discrimination law was just all too important, complex and difficult to be rushed through Parliament without careful consideration of the implications. Yes, really, that is the story. So instead, the Sex Discrimination Act uh, went into Parliament this week with its amendments, as I say, with all those religious exemptions intact. Western Australia Labour Senator Louise Pratt's been very involved in that. She drew the short straw and she's going to join us later in the show to explain the government's thinking. To help make sense of both these events, Anna Brown, the co-convener of Victorian Gay and Lesbian Rights Lobby and the No to Homophobia campaign, will join us later. And Rob Mitchell will assist us in the studio. Riding shotgun with me tonight, fresh from his triumph at the Joy Taste of Radio course, which he's now completed as a fully-flipped Joy presenter, Mr James Newbury. Good evening, James. Good evening, Doug, and it's great to be on Joy 94.9. Now, as I mentioned earlier, after a very lengthy pregnancy, stretching back to an election promise made during 2010 campaign... The Victorian government has given birth to the Ministerial Advisory Committee on Gay and Lesbian Health. And it'll report to my first guest this evening, the Victorian Minister for Health, David Davis. Good evening, Minister. Good evening, Doug. And welcome uh, to the show. Now, the uh, next uh, Victorian election is scheduled for the end of November, November isn't it? November 2014. 2014, yeah. So we've got 17 months, roughly, uh, of this committee. That's uh, a lot to do in not a lot of time. Well, there's lots to do. You're quite correct, and we'll certainly be doing that work. The committee, as you, I think, understand, reports to myself and uh, Mary Waldridge. Yes. Both of us are very committed to uh, seeing good outcomes, implementing election promises, some of which are well underway, but also looking to see uh, good outcomes for GLBTI communities, uh, particularly in the health area. 
Um, I think you said um, in, uh, when we spoke before, um, way back when, that uh, the committee will also be uh, a conduit between uh, the community and you so that ideas for things that uh, the government might take on board uh, can c- flow to you through this committee. Somebody pushed the wrong button there, I think. <laughs> Probably at the minister's end. Can we see if we can get him back? Either that or his battery went flat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, dear. dear. Anyway, James. Well, in the meantime, um, I, I would like to talk to you about this committee, Doug. Um, I'm a bit concerned that it's not really representative of the gay community in the sense that there are very few lesbians on, on this committee. Hello. Do we have do we have the minister back? A minister, are you are you there? I am indeed. Yeah, you sort of vanished there for a moment. I don't know what what happened on the technical front. Apologies for that. No, no. Um, James, you wanted to bring up a question for the minister. Hi, Minister Davis. This is James Newbury here. Um, my questions are really around um, representation on this committee. I've noticed that the gender balance simply isn't there. There's only, I think, four out of twenty-two members being female. And they are the same members who have um, been on all of these committees historically. How are you going to get new ideas from the same white men? Uh, Well, look, I think people will bring a range of views to the uh, committee. And I know there are uh, uh, gays and lesbians, uh, intersex people. There's a a significant range of um, people from different backgrounds. And we look forward to uh, input. And the committee is not closed in the sense that um, ideas can come from broader levels as well. Can I, can I ask you, Minister, a question coming here from a listener saying the federal government has launched a national ageing and aged care strategy and the New South Wales age strategy commits to a roundtable to explore GLBTI ageing issues. Um, will the committee be working on, the, on those sort of issues as well? They are very relevant issues and I welcome the federal government's focus on that and there are some areas where there can be uh, levels of bipartisanship and we certainly are prepared to work with um, national committees that may be looking at issues that are more that are broader than Victoria, um, but um, putting a Victorian context on matters. Yeah, I think it's very important that we cross the political divides um, both nationally and locally. I don't think uh, I don't think that anyone wants to ride any particular polit- political hobby horse uh, with this. Um, another question coming from a listener here. Um, why has the Gov- Victorian government not committed to reduce HIV prevention numbers through targets? Um, again, referring to the New South Wales government, which has set well, targets. Well, we're, we're, we're very open to the idea of targets, and I received the Melbourne Declaration here in Victoria. I'm, I'm very focused on taking the steps that we can take to reduce um, HIV um, transmission and HIV um, in infections, there's a whole range of steps that we can take there, and we are very focused on the very best outcomes there. And I will look to advice from this committee. Yeah, Jane. Minister, I I just have another um, question. I don't know if you've seen it, but today the Victorian AIDS Council and Gay Men's Health Centre put out a press release saying that they hope their services won't be affected as they go through a massive organisational upheaval. Um, Apparently they're restructuring. Apparently they're restructuring again, and and I'm concerned that they may not be able to focus 
on that mission during during this time. And incidentally, why is it always HIV that gets all the attention? It's um, not the major concern it was in the 80s anymore. Well, there is a range of issues and we're certainly prepared to focus on the range of issues. In terms of your earlier point about the AIDS Council and any upheaval, I've got confidence that they will work their way through whatever changes they may be making and the government will certainly be prepared to assist them do that. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I, I think personally that um, you know it does these organisations good to shake up from time to time because they do get kind of stuck in a rut, uh, particularly when people are there for a very long time, as I think happened before with the previous CEO, Mike Kennedy, who is now going to be chairing this committee. It was uh, a major change when he moved on and it, it provoked a good shake up at VAC. Um, one other question I wanted to ask you here was about the, the logjam that has... Um, stopped this committee from coming into existence until now. It's very noticeable that a lot of things have started coming out of the government now that Mr Bailiw has moved on and we have Premier Napthine instead. Was, was there a roadblock in the Premier's office on this? Uh, not at all. And I, I've got to say, I, I'm very determined the committee will do good work and have the opportunity to uh, provide advice to my, myself and my department, but also my colleague, Mary Woodridge, um, the Minister for Mental Health. Both of us are very committed to getting uh, the very best outcomes we can. And uh, we're, we're determined to work through these, um, uh, well, a whole range of uh, challenges that are there and ways of doing things better for the GLBTI community. Well, I, I think, Minister, that from my point of view, and I'm just going to wave my own little banner here, um, that a lot of the work that the committee is going to be doing and a lot of the underlying problem um, with gay and lesbian health issues, it goes back to tackling homophobia at its root source. Because if we are perpetually um, plugging gaps, uh, picking up the pieces after the damage has been done, that's a never-ending job. Um, you will, we, we will never get on top of it. But if we tackle root causes and we do some good sort of grassroots level education on tackling homophobia, then I think, um, and I'm sure the committee will have a lot of ideas on that, um, that is going to be one way to, 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 to make your job easier in the long run. And the government has been prepared to um, strongly support the Say No to Homophobia campaign. I, I was proud to launch it and my colleague Mary Woodridge was also um, very supportive. That is an important campaign and I welcome the commitment of key groups like the AFL uh, to that campaign. And I, I think there's much more at a community level and with key interest groups. and with So are you committing to funding these anti-homophobia programs, Minister? Well, the Say No to Homophobia campaign does have funding from my department in it. and certainly Are you committing to funding them properly, Minister? We need $2.6 million over five years. Well, I, I'm not committing to any specific number, <laughs> but I know there is actually money from the... How much? Um, I, um, You've been doing your research, haven't you? <laughs> I have been doing my research. and um, But, but I, I know the department did make a significant contribution to um, helping produce that campaign and to uh, funding the distribution of the material. And I know that there are uh, one of the key things is partnerships out more broadly, and that's why I welcome particularly the AFL's involvement in okay, that. Okay, Minister. Yeah, um, that, I just that's have going to be one, a good one. Just to wrap it up, just have one thing for you. Did you know that according to the census, in Victoria there are 680,000 people between the ages of 15 and 24? 
I'm, I'm not sure the exact number, but I know that mm-hmm. is a very okay. significant group in our community. And we know that 10% of those are same-sex attracted. And of the same-sex attracted group, 25% have either attempted or have succeeded in committing suicide, while their straight peers, only 5%. Let me put this in absolute numbers for you. That is 15,000 LGBTI kids in Victoria have tried to kill themselves. We have to address homophobia. What are you going to commit to, sir? Well, I welcome and 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 um, indicate my very strong support for my colleague Mary Woodridge's commitment of $4 million as part of our election campaign to deliver suicide prevention and early intervention services and programs targeting some uh, the same same sex attracted and gender questioning young people who are at risk in this area. So I think the government's election commitment here is being delivered. That is very important support, yeah. and I yeah. pay yeah. tribute to my colleagues' leadership in that area. That's not Would you mine. agree that we it can't go on this way? Woodridge's program. Sorry. It, uh, I think we'll, we'll leave it there, James, because we do have to uh, move on. Minister, um, first of all, looking forward to working with you, and I hope we can get some really good outcomes out of this. Um, and secondly, thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's an absolute pleasure, and, and James uh, um, and um, Doug, thank you very much. You're more than welcome. Thank you very much. Good night. Pleasure. That was uh, David Davis there, the Victorian Minister for Health on the new Ministerial Advisory Committee. Well, we heard there from the Victorian Minister for Health, David Davis, about this new Ministerial Advisory Committee on GLBTI Health. As I mentioned before, I have to disclose that I'm a member of committee and so is um, my studio guest tonight, Rob Mitchell. Good evening, Rob. Good evening, Doug. Um, And uh, joining us on the line, we also have the co-convener of the Victorian Gay and Lesbian Rights Lobby and also uh, leading light of the note to home phobia campaign, Anna Brown. Good evening, Anna. Good evening. So did you hear any of our little chat with the minister there? Uh, I caught the very last bit, but I must admit I've been glued um, to the leadership still <laughs> on the ABC. <laughs> haven't we all? Haven't we all? Um, I, 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 don't think it, I don't think we actually learned anything awfully new, um, but he did make a very strong commitment to continue to uh, get behind the No to Homophobia campaign, which is good news. Oh, that's fantastic news. Um, he wouldn't commit to any kind of dollar figure, but um, he, he, he's uh, given a very strong indication that it's very much very high on our list of priorities. So I thought you'd like to know that. Well, thanks, Doug, and thanks for raising it with him. I think, um, you know, obviously hugely important that this government continues its support for the campaign, as um, we discussed. I think earlier this week, obviously, homophobia itself is um, the leading social determinant of many poor health outcomes for our community. So, Senator Pratt, this is James Newbury here. That's not Senator Pratt. Oh, sorry, uh, Hannah Brown. <laughs> Anna Brown, you've, you've jumped ahead oh. a guest or two. Oh, dear. Concentrate. I do like Louise, so I... I <laughs> Concentrate. You, you've just been promoted, Anna. You're you've not... just been promoted. You're now, you're now President, Anna. Um, no to homophobia is a really important campaign. You're trying desperately to stop homophobia. What are you doing at the, at the grassroots level? What are you doing in, at the coalface? Uh, well... As I mean, as you guys would know, we're a co- we're really a coalition of um, volunteer-based community groups, and the funding that we did have was expended a long time ago. So um, there's n- there's no resources available at the moment. But what we are doing is developing a campaign um, 
or an extension of this campaign, particularly to focus on efforts around Idaho Day or the um, International Day Against Homophobia, and I think we've got transphobia in there now as well. Yes, we have, yeah. Um, so I can reveal tonight that we um, we will be running some particular activities around Idaho, as you would expect, and... Um, We'll certainly be reaching out to the community to get on board that campaign and also their government. And I can't reveal all the details yet, but it will be, um, I hope, an engaging campaign and something that really captures the attention of the public and reminds them of the importance of um, tackling the prejudice and discrimination that's faced by our community, often on a daily basis. Now, you, you mentioned that your original funding for No to Homophobia had run out. Um, are you putting in for more funding? Yeah, we'd like to... Um, we're in the process of approaching the Victorian government for further funding. Um, we can also look at other funding sources that we're lucky enough that we've had um, a lot of support from organisations such as Headspace and the Victorian Equal Opportunity Human Rights Commission and um, pro bono support from the Human Rights Law Centre and other law firms. So... It's been really fantastic to see a number of organisations get on board. Not all of them have um, spare cash. As, um, <laughs> None of us have case. spare cash. <laughs> it's a, um, it's a big problem. The, yeah, certainly there's opportunities for collaboration there and we will be we're actively looking for sources of funding. Rob. Uh, Rob Michelana, how are you? Good. How are you, Rob? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, I just uh, Obviously, I, I think the Minister still thinks that you have, you know, obviously, if not a lot of money, some money, but um, as you've indicated, you you know, the, the sort of the, the cupboard is bare at the moment. Um, now, you talked about your, your partners, of course, you know, the, the major partner who you know, generated a lot of the initial media um, exposure was the AFL. Now, of course, you know, they turn over, I think, you know, just, just on $400 million a year, they pay no income tax through a fairly neat sort of set of accounting that they do between them and the clubs. Um, how much have they put in so far? What, two or three million? Or? We haven't approached the AFL for money. We're, um, we're working with them on uh, their efforts to promote our campaign through their, the channels that they've got available and the much greater audience that they have. Because um, their, efforts, their efforts so far have been pretty dismal, haven't they? I mean, they didn't turn up to the launch at Parliament House. Uh, you got a letter off them um, and they haven't given you any money. Um, I'm just wondering... I'm going to throw, throw my boyfriend, I'll give them the flick, I think. <laughs> well, it is noticeable that ever since the drug problem surfaced in the AFL, they, their efforts to combat homophobia seem to have gone straight on to the back burner. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we need to necessarily assume that it's all, um, if it's not in the public gaze, that there isn't work going on. So uh, I've um, you know met with the AFL and we're, we're continuing to develop... Um, you know what's next in this campaign. They've also, um, I, I, my hope is that the ad screening at last year's preliminary finals won't be the last time that they will be screened. And of course, there's been a lot of talk and speculation about a pride round this year, and a lot of us are hoping that something like that will also eventuate. I'm, I'm not in a position to talk about um, sort of details at this point, but there's certainly a positive relationship there, and. Um, we're yeah, I mean, working away. And, and, and Rob, again, I'm sure that it's all positive, uh, except when it comes to 
either A, them doing anything or B, expending any money. I mean, the, the one thing that, of course, that we would know that would make the difference, a profound difference, is to have the community uh, engagement and, and education at the club level. Um, now, of course, we've got a, a really good model there to work from with the Fairgo Sport Project, which you're no doubt familiar with, you know, with the Victorian yeah. Human Rights Commission. And- uh, so so what, what's stopping the AFL rolling that out, number one, and, and you probably may be aware, maybe may not, but you need to know that um, uh, back in, uh, was it uh, what, 2010, uh, the Victorian Country Football League actually undertook as part of a mediated settlement agreement, which the mediation was done by the Commission, to actually roll out education, certainly in all the country clubs, of which there's about 800. Now, that, that never happened, and um, you know, it seems that the, the only way, the only prospect of it happening is if the complainant in that particular proceedings actually has to go off his own bat and go to VCAT to get that meeting to get that enforced I mean I mean Anna really I mean I think we've got to smell the coffee here they're just not interested in doing anything so we're going to have to make them and is that something you're going to help the community do oh definitely I mean and I think you would be aware Rob that um the Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission has been doing a lot of work with the AFL in this space and I'm not here to you know fully explain the extent of the AFL's activities or you know give you give account for what they're doing in this space but what I can tell you is that I've been really pleased with the level of engagement and I'll certainly be doing what I can to make sure that they we do actually get some concrete um, outcomes delivered this year so we can we can look forward to something actually happening is what you're saying but uh, yeah that's what that's certainly what my hope is right it, it just seems that you know the AFL have this fetish with doing things in secret and not telling anybody what they're doing until they're doing it presumably to avoid as much community input as possible so to talk to someone who does have some input into it you must understand that that's why yeah. Rob's asking the kind of things he's asking because it's very Definitely. hard to get the AFL to say anything yeah. and it's certainly one of the key um, you know one of the the requests that we've made is that we, um, or suggestions that we've made, is that we have a community-style forum, um, in, you know, a much, a much, well, an opportunity for a great a range of people to have their input into. Perhaps um, like we did with the New South Wales Police after the Mardi Gras. That was uh, a very useful forum, I understand. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I've just seen a, a tweet come through here. Uh, you mentioned earlier on you were watching Labor's le- le- leadership dramas, and I thought you'd appreciate the tweet. It said, Labor's leadership dramas are even more complicated than a lesbian relationship. <laughs> <laughs> It's obviously a soap opera that's uh, engaging a great many of us. Um, well, it was. It has been unfortunate that all of this has overshadowed a pretty historic moment today when the government did did introduce its um, the amendments to the Sex Discrimination Act, which for the first time will obviously include protections for um, our community, whether it be gay, lesbian, transgender, bi- bisexual, or intersex people. It's very sad, though, that they didn't see fit to at least hang on to the religious to removing the religious exemptions for aged care at the very least i mean i'm i'm very oh, disappointed definitely. i'm very disappointed that they kept religious exemptions at all because i don't see any justification for them um but they could at least have kept the aged care ones in do you think this was done because they wanted to slip this one through with bipartisan support as quickly as possible and just get a run on the board yeah no doubt there was um some kind of strategy call made there but 
you know, Doug, I completely share your disappointment. It's after all this work and the work that Mark Butler has been doing in the aged care space to have the win. You know, we were, we were all quite obviously disappointed with this draft bill that still had the broad religious exceptions, but we had this one um, one improvement in aged care that uh, was a real positive. No. Now, it, it, this, this yeah. bill has now gone in, it's, it's received its first reading, hasn't it? It just went through on the nod, I think, with bipartisan support. Is there any possibility um, at some further stage before it actually becomes law uh, trying to get these relig- religious exemptions um, dealt with again? Well, it, I mean, it will take a while. We've got, we're in the autumn break now, so it'll be a while before the, ha- the Parliament resumes and the bill will be debated. So there'll be, uh, well... I would hope an opportunity to at least uh, continue to push for amendments to be made to that bill. Certainly the Victorian Game has been right, so we will be pushing for amendments to be made. How we get that done will be a matter of talking to the different political parties and, and generating as much support for those amendments as we can in the community. Indeed. Now, Anna, we're going to have to uh, move on at this point because I'm, I'm going to talk to uh, Senator Louise Pratt about this sex discrimination bill. Would you care to stay on the line and uh, come back and comment afterwards or sure. would you like us to ring you back? No, I'm happy to stay on the line. Okay, and then you can, you can eavesdrop on, <laughs> on your phone. Okay, so as I said, uh, next up we shall talk to uh, Senator Louise Pratt. Um, she's um, going to discuss with us the uh, over the, but the government's abandonment to the overhaul of the human rights and anti-discrimination law and this sex discrimination law that's coming instead. Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. And this is your host, Doug Pollard. Well, um, the government... The federal government has been in Labour too, just like the local government. Um, they've been overhauling the human rights and anti-discrimination law, but unfortunately, instead of going through with it, they've decided to abort the process. And instead, they came up with the amendments to the Sex Discrimination Act that we were just talking about with Anna Brown from the VGLRL. Um, true, they do cover our community for the first time, but they leave religious exemptions intact, which is disappointing a good many people. Senator Louise Pratt has been involved in this process and she joins us on the line now. Good evening, Senator. Hello. And uh, welcome to the Rainbow Report. It's quite a while since we spoke. Um, Thank you. I'm always available. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, well, I, I must say, you've had a very busy day today, um, and I'm not talking about the leadership spill, but you did have that uh, apology that went yes, through. it was a really significant moment. It was a real privilege to be there. And which got absolutely swamped, of course, in all the main media outlets. I think it's worth... Pausing a moment to say thank you for doing that, for the, to the government for doing that. Um, the other thing that also disappeared under the tsunami of leadership speculation um, was these changes to the Sex Discrimination Act. Now, can you just fill me in here? Um, it was originally going to be a complete overhaul of um, anti-discrimination law, but now it's just come down to this one act um, 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 why did you? Dis- why did the government decide to do that? Well, let me just go back a couple of steps, which, which is one to say it's not a complete philosophical overhaul of anti-discrimination. It was a consolidation of all the existing acts. Right. Uh, and and in that sense, it was bringing all of those together. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in effect, it did turn out, as you've kind of said, to be a little bit more complex than that, and look like a complete overhaul. And in combining those acts. It actually got a lot more complex. 
which is, you know, why the Labor Party decided it really want to stay true to its commitment to the LGBTI community and to introduce these amendments to the Sex Discrimination Act. You know, I'm really glad that the um, party was very clear about the fact that we needed to make good to that commitment that we gave to the community. So despite the fact that we can't go ahead at this stage, we're very much committed to the whole of the consolidation and bringing it all together. We said, all right, we're actually going to get on with um, bringing in transgender, intersex, gay, lesbian, bisexual people into the Anti-Discrimination Act. Yeah, and, and, and that's a great thing to have done, and it's a, a long, long, long overdue move, and I don't think anyone argues with that. However, as part of the major overhaul, um, it was planned to trim back the religious exemptions. Um, Sadly, it wasn't all that uh, planned to trim them back. Well, just in, just in, just in relation on, to aged care. Aged care was on the table, mm-hmm. and I am very concerned that aged care has been left out at this point. We're looking at other ways through that. Um, there's other aged care reforms to come forward. But to be honest, I see the need to move on from, uh, in, in terms of tightening up religious exemptions and to deal with the issue as a whole rather than just the question of aged care. So I will keep fighting on, on that issue for a long time to come. Until yeah, it's done. I, I think I'd agree with you there in one respect in that it never made any sense to me to, although I, I see the need to move urgently on the aged care issue, I never did see the logic, well it didn't seem to be any logic to um, removing the religious exemptions in just that one area without tackling them over the whole bill. Yeah, look, I would agree with that. I think that's a tribute to the work that Mark Butler did in putting an aged care strategy together, really acknowledging the fact that aged care institutions uh, needed some training and inclusiveness to bring, bring all that together and that still stands, that stuff is all still happening. James, you wanted to come in here. James Newbury. Hi, Senator Pratt. How are you going? Good evening. Good evening. So what went wrong? Um, you, your committee recommended 100 um, amendments and included text for possible amendments. So, Look, there weren't 100 amendments, and to be honest, I'm disappointed that the consolidation hasn't proceeded. But to be honest, um, you know, we've got some complexities around debates of, regarding free speech at the moment. And we can all see that playing out in many spheres. Um, and we, uh, this bill turned out to be, in some people's eyes, quite complex from that point of view. That's not a position I shared. No. I thought the bill was quite good. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing I would put, bring up there is um, the, the whole issue about media regulation and freedom of speech and putting in place a media monitor and all that other stuff. That was extremely complex. That was uh, involved tackling freedom of speech issues. Um, and yet the government was prepared to go hell for leather and die in a ditch for that, but not for the human rights um, changes. I find that rather disappointing. Um, well, I hope that uh, there's a need for reform on both fronts. And, uh, you know, I think the Attorney-General, I, I have um, strong belief in the in, in confidence in him actually taking the anti-discrimination issues forward. Do you think that, I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, that's this issue now, put away, dead, we won't hear any more out of the Attorney-General on anti-discrimination uh, before the election, and this will be the Look, end of I've, it. Look, I've spoken to the Attorney-General in depth about these issues, and he's very committed to making progress on uh, the Anti-Discrimination Act as a whole. You know, there are important and outstanding issues, not just affecting the GLBTI community, but also 
victims of domestic violence. I know people who've been uh, lost their employment because a violent partner has shown up at work and abused them, and they've lost their job as a consequence of that. And that's the kind of discrimination needs to stop. Senator Pratt, I, I have a bit of a feeling I'd like to talk about for a moment. It feels like the Labor Party only gives us one thing per parliament and takes our votes for granted in the LGB community. <laughs> Why do we only get such piecemeal attention? Well, I think you could look uh, at the Labor Party and say that we have uh, been the party historically that has delivered all of the law reform. Actually, no, ma'am, that's not true. The Liberals do criminalise. But what I can also say, well, in Western Australia, the state that I came from, they decriminalised, but with an unequal age of consent, and that's the only thing they ever did in my home state. Decriminalising against the Labor Party's about, objections. You've got to... Uh, uh, and f- But what I would also agree with you in saying is the Labor Party is a very diverse beast, and if you look how far we have come as a community, when you look at all the gains that we have made in, you know, in the last 30 to 40 years, they have been absolutely historic. But the Labor Party is still a beast of... Um, the community and the community to be honest is ahead the wider community not just the LGBTI community is certainly ahead of where some of the people in the Labor Party are still including the Minister for Social Inclusion that is something that I am working to change including the Minister for Social Inclusion well that would be Mark Butler and you know he's certainly sorry the former the former Minister Senator Stevens uh, well, yes, and I, and I have great concerns with the position she takes on these issues, and that is exact an exact reflection of what I'm talking about in terms of the diversity of the Labor Party. But that is a kind of reflection, I think, on the fact that, you know, in, we've always had to win over the hearts and minds of the general population to win these issues, and I work every day to do that internally in the Labor Party. It, uh, it is, as the old saying in the UK goes anyway, a very broad church is the uh, usual expression. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I just wanted to bring up a couple of other things to say that um, these religious exemptions, as I think you hinted at before, and I, I just want to look at this a little bit more thoroughly, um, they don't just affect GLBTI people. They affect a whole range of people. Um, single mothers, for example, de facto pregnant partners, women, pregnant women. Uh, unmarried women. Particularly women. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, you know, there's actually a specific reason for that, and it's part of why the consolidation is important. Uh, and is port- in, in, it's one of those reasons as to why we need to deal with the overall exemptions issues. And it's because most of those exemptions exist in the Sex Discrimination Act. The exemptions don't actually exist in the Act on Race. They don't Mm -hmm. exist in the Act on Disability that cover people from discrimination. And it is because as lesbian and gay, GLBTI, trans, intersex people have lived with, as women have lived with, you know, it is our bodies and what we do with our bodies that is a matter of controversy in the eyes of religious institutions. And that's why it's in that act. Yes, and I mean, I think I think that is one reason why. Once again, I was, uh, you know, surprised to find that that the government was leaving the religious exemptions intact because uh, they do affect not only um, the, the the relatively small minority, the GLBTI people, but actually the quite large minority, which is not really a minority at all, which is women. Yes, well, it's a really live contest at a day-to-day level in many institutions that deliver 
services. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine this evening who uh, has worked at Catholic hospitals, who is pro-choice, but he's denied the right to provide a woman who turns up looking for the morning after pill the morning after pill. These are the kinds of decisions that conservative institutions make on a day-to-day basis when they deliver services on behalf of the government. Yeah, and, so and that partic- is and particular, that we need to work to change. Yes, and particularly in medical situations, it can actually be quite dangerous. Because if they're not going to refer, for example, a woman who needs an emergency abortion on to an abortion provider, or they're going to delay that, that, that change, it could be dangerous. Indeed, it could, under certain circumstances, be dangerous. And, and, and these things ought to be decided, I think, on medical rather than moral grounds. <laughs> At least that's my feeling about, you know, when I go to see a doctor, I, I, I go to have my body fixed, not my morals. <laughs> I don't Indeed. think it's got anything to do with them, really, at all. Senator Pratt, uh, we're going to have to leave it there, but thank you very much for joining us this evening. And uh, thank you after what must have been a pretty emotionally exhausting day all round. <laughs> uh, well, the, the, it was, and in particular that was because of the apology. It was a real tribute to those many families that have been affected by exactly that kind of moral conservatism that doesn't actually reflect day-to-day lived life of ordinary Australians who find themselves in 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 very ordinary circumstances you know pregnant and unmarried gay Mm -hmm. transgender all of those kinds of things yeah, well, I think we need to get a bit of this moral conservatism out of your party before we can progress. I'm doing my best. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you very much for joining us tonight, Senator Pratt. Thank you. That was uh, Senator Louise Pratt, the uh, Senator for West Australia. <laughs> Rob Mitchell has come back into the studio to join us for this segment. And Anna Brown is back on the line. Hello, Anna. Are you still there? Yes, I'm here. So let's go to you first, Anna. Um, you were listening to, uh, well, I hope you were listening and not sneaking off to watch TV, um, <laughs> to what Senator Pratt had to say uh, about the uh, changes to the uh, Sex Discrimination Act and the abandonment of the overall um, rejigging of uh, anti-discrimination law. What, what's your reaction to her conviction that the government will in fact revisit this and bring in uh, a full act before they leave office? Uh, I didn't quite take away that from her that there, that would, there was a conviction that that would happen before they left office. I, I um, certainly, certainly took away her personal um, conviction for these issues um, and I do just want to really mention that she has just been such an amazing champion of our community during this whole process during the Senate hearings. I was at both the Melbourne and Sydney Senate hearings for this um, draft process and she was absolutely fabulous and asking all the right questions for our community. So, I Oh, I don't think there's any, there's any, there's any doubt yeah. about her commitment or, uh, or her passion um, as a member of our community, in fact, if I uh, yeah. recollect correctly, um, in a rather complex situation, um, rather like one of those lesbian relationships we were talking <laughs> about earlier on. Rob Mitchell, what did you think of the, um, of the Senator's points? Well, I'd say two things. I mean, firstly, I think we just need to keep revisiting this point that this is public money that's being used to deliver these services. And it was quite interesting what the senator said, you know, with, and it, was, it was actually quite tragic, I think, that the apology today from both sides of the House was sort of lost in all that sort of leadership, you know, fracas, there's no other mm-hmm. way to describe mm-hmm. it. Um, but, you know, that they were issuing an apology because, you know, because of the same sorts of circumstances that, you know, the decisions were made on a, you know, on, on, on a morals basis and, and, and not what was best for the, you know, the mother and you know, the child or, or the family. So it seems we're going to be, you know, revisiting that again and a bit to see, you know, down the track 
contract whether we ever get an apology for you know some of the stuff that's gone on. And and the second thing I'd say is you know I think you know Senator Pratt. There's language around, you know, people who find themselves in unfortunate circumstances, and, and she went on to say, you know, transgender and gay and so on. It's not, it's not us that are the unfortunate circumstances. The un, the very unfortunate circumstance, and I would, and I would say, unacceptable circumstance, is that this policy is being made not on the basis of evidence or not on the basis of, of health, but on, you know, just a, what seems to be a never-ending series of outdated, you know, religious beliefs, and, and we should put a stop to it. I think it's true to say that there's no other anti-discrimination law anywhere else in the world that has such broad religious exemptions. They don't have them in the US, they don't have them in the UK. Uh, They're a peculiarly Australian sort of hangover. And I, I don't know why we still have them, and I don't know why everyone is so reluctant to tackle them. Um, because surely at the end of the day, the number of votes that are in um, you know, Christian votes that are going to come to Julia Gillard as a result of pandering to the Christian right is going to be minuscule, no matter what she does as a woman who lives in sin with her partner and is, uh, as Senator Hefton said so long ago, deliberately barren and has nothing in her fruit bowl on her kitchen counter. Um, and, Doug, there's no, there's no question that they're incompatible with Australia's international human rights obligations. These are, these are such broad exceptions and they're so blanket in their operation that they're not nuanced in a way that you expect um, in a reasonable any reasonable analysis of what was actually required for churches to do what they do. So she, she spoke in, uh, in, in terms of um, tackling the question um, of discrimination in aged care via other legislation. Um, dealing with the whole um, religious exemption business around aged care via other legislation. But surely if the exemptions remain there in the Sex Discrimination Act, that's going to make that extremely difficult to create exemptions in other law. Doug, I think the aged care reform bill, which is currently um, in the process of, I think it's been introduced, but I could be wrong with So that's going to be moving through Parliament at about the same time. So... um, there's a potential there for us to push for amendments to that bill that would effectively also amend the SDA. Yeah, James is looking, nodding knowledgeably here. I think the problem is the gay community. I don't think the problem is the politicians at all. If we look carefully at how gays vote, there is nothing in it for political parties, save for mollifying us. And that's what we get. We get very minimal piecemeal. Oh, here's your token thing now. Be quiet for the next election. Oh, here's your here's your next piecemeal thing. Be quiet for the next parliament. Gays need to get behind swing voting and go, you know what? If you want my vote, politics is about what you've done for me lately. 85 laws was nice, but what have you done for me this week? What have you done for me this month, this parliament? And it's up to us as voters to push that home all the time. And frankly, I just don't see the commitment from the gay community to take care of itself. Well, I, I think what you're saying there is that too many too many gays tend to be kind of rusted on Labour. Oh, rainbow right? Labour is the problem. Right. <laughs> tend to be rusted on Labour There you support. go. <laughs> Finally, he <laughs> no, said it. No, I mean, here, here it is. You can tell where James is on the political spectrum. <laughs> I, am, I am far right. I am so far right I would make the Kaiser look left wing. <laughs> The Greens made me want to rip my hair out in frustration of Why? bad Adam, policy. Adam Band has been at the Adam Band has Absolutely. been at the forefront of marriage equality. Why and would this your is opinion, my point. 
point. Hear out. This is my point. It's the other things that I want to rip my hair out. I, I read revisionist history this week from Rainbow Labor saying they were the party of gay yeah, rights, but, that's but not it's the greens. the greens. The Greens are the ones who are pushing the gay agenda in this country. So why is Rainbow Labor not out there battling against the Joe de Bruins, the Ursula Stevens? And the... making common cause with the Greens. Exactly. No, but instead they're more interested in their political tribalism and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> Anna, um, are you in Rainbow Labor by any chance? I am a supporter of Rainbow Labor. <laughs> Why are you rusted I thought on? you might be. <laughs> but I'm a supporter of, I mean, to me, you don't just vote because you belong to a particular group. You vote because you make a decision based on the policies, all of the policies of that party, and you'll make a values decision about which is the best fit for you. So I kind of disagree that, I mean, if you're only going to vote on um, LGBTI issues, then you would never vote for this for the coalition, um, but, I mean, clearly there are people in our community that vote for them, and I support, fully support them doing that, if that's what they think is... Will you commit to joining with me, Anna, in fighting, <laughs> say, I don't know, who's who's the, the Labor guy in Victoria, in Melbourne, who's really anti-gay? Um, uh, Michael Danby, Melbourne Michael Ports. Michael Danby, Melbourne Ports. Will you commit to me to picketing his office, Anna? I don't pick it off Okay. Well, and and it's not at that end of the spectrum. Uh, James, James, <laughs> James is big on picketing. His last big picket was outside Bob Catter's office in Mount <laughs> Isa. So, um, you know, he's uh, he's a he's an unafraid picketer. Yes. Yes. No. I I just. Why do we need to, as the gay community, and perhaps it's unfair to put you on the spot like this, Anna, but why, as the gay community? should we be rusted on to Rainbow Labour when they're not doing anything for us? I mean, we just got sold out in favour of religious exemptions for aged care. What about our gay elders? They're going into nursing homes. What about the 25% of LGB kids that you're out there trying to protect? Don't you feel a little sold out when when you've got the hardcore Catholic right of the Labour Party that you're supporting? Don't you feel a little, I don't know, annoyed? Um, I... I feel very annoyed and I, that's why I'm determined to do what I can to make sure that we get a better position before this bill passes through the House. Hopefully it passes through the House. And and that's why the lobby is going to be making sure it does what it can to um, narrow those exceptions and also get this aged care limitation back in there as well. So that's my priority over the next few months. I, th- I, th- I think that's a priority for all of us, Anna, that I think we need to have some kind of coordinated, sustained campaign between now and whenever this thing comes back to the Parliament to get those religious exemptions out of there, yeah. at least in relation and to aged care. And I think a big part of that will also be talking to the Coalition and seeing what sort of position we can get them, them to agree to. If we can get... James, if you agree to talk to the Coalition and... and I do, and, continually. <laughs> and I'll be doing the same, and I think... George Brandis has been pretty reasonable on this bill and my hope is that we can actually um, make the government and the other political parties see see the sense of, you know, ending this ridiculous um, reign that religious organisations have been allowed to have and discriminate against. Yeah, we, 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 really need to, we really need to tackle yeah. this issue, as well as a lot of other ones, on a bipartisan basis, don't yeah. we, really, if we're going to get yeah. anywhere. And I think that 
is the kind of the corollary to what James was saying. We need to swing our votes where we'll get things done, but we also need to talk to both sides. Anna, we're going to have to call it a day there because my producer is waving flags at me and saying my time is up. Thank you very much for joining us tonight and for giving us your insights and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. That was Anna Brown there from Fiji LRL. Before we go, a couple of um, SMSs here. Loving the show, Doug, but what are your thoughts on the acronym for GLBTI? Should we have one or two? All this political correctness is getting ridiculous. Yes, it is, but we don't have time to talk about that now. Anyway, I think it's boring. We have one word. It does perfectly well. It's It's gay. It stands for good as you, and that covers everybody as far as I'm concerned. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.